The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. This is Radio Wave Medjinomics with your host, a friend of Medjugorje. The subject content of today's broadcast is not appropriate for children. And so for those of you that may be listening with your family, this is a show that the topics covered is only for the listening of adults. And so we offer that word of warning to you before this broadcast begins. And now your host, a friend of Medjugorje. Mariana, when she first had apparitions, thought God is wrathful. And she couldn't take the position at that point until she started speaking to her lady that God was a different kind of God. He was a good father, a loving father, one who brought forth every means to draw out love out of man. But that doesn't mean we erase as we have done now in the society that we never think about the wrath of God. All we have is a fuzzy God that everything's just so fluffy that he's to make our life that way and things don't go that way. We wonder why. But there's consequences to sin. 
And in the New Testament, in the book of Romans, in the New Testament, not the Old Testament, in the book of Romans, chapter 1, verse 8 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from the heaven against all ungodliness and wickedness of man who by their wickedness suppress the truth. Is that happening today? Do we see a suppression of truth? Do we see a huge amount of relative truth, even in the church? Meaning, what truth I have and my personal truth is associated with me. It's relative to what I believe. And verse 19 continues, For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. Well, all these people led astray today, everything's shown by God, it's plain to them. Or we just claim, oh, they're ignorant, they just don't know any better. No, it says, for what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. Yes. Our ladies tell us to help non-believers know the love of God. It continues, ever since the creation of the world, his invisible nature, namely his internal power and deity, has been clearly perceived in the things that have been made. So are we give excuse? Or are we to excuse people who don't seek or even have any desire to find God? When the Bible verses just say, it's very clear, it's very plain in the creation through the things he's made that we are to believe. Ever since the creation of the world, his invisible nature, namely his eternal power and deity, has been clearly perceived in the things that have been made so that they are without excuse. So the New Testament, the Bible, The book of Romans says there's no excuse. It continues. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became fruitful in their thinking and their senseless minds were darkened. So you don't accept God. You go the way of the culture. Your minds are darkened. Who darkens them? God will darken them. You turn away, you'll become darker and darker. And it continues, claiming to be wise, they became fools. And that's where we are today. And that's our read for today. Because we have men not being men. We have a feminized church now. We're just all so nice and let's be nice to everybody else. Now, let's don't ever hurt anybody's feelings. And the reading today from Monsignor Pope addresses this. This is entitled, In These Dark Days, the Church Needs Her Men to Be Men. When I was growing up, my father would often exhort me to be a man. He would summon me to courage and responsibility and to discover the heroic capacity that was in me. St. Paul summoned forth a spiritual manhood with these words from Ephesians. 
we must all attain to the unity of faith and knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the extent of the full stature of Christ, so that we may no longer be infants, tossed by waves and swept along by every wind of teaching arising from human trickery, from their cunning in the interests of deceitful scheming. Rather, living the truth in love, we should grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. If the ladies will pardon me, for women have their own sort of strength, I want to issue a special summons to men, especially fathers, husbands, and priests. The summons is simple. Be a man. We need men in these dark days. Men who will heroically speak and act. Men who will announce the truth and insist upon it wherever they have authority. Men who will stop being passive fathers and husbands. Priests who will stop playing it safe by remaining silent in the moral storm. Yes, be a man. It has often been observed that men are rather disengaged from the practice of the faith and attendance at sacred liturgy. Frankly, there is a reason. Not a politically correct one, but a reason nonetheless. Most of the men I talk to find the church rather feminized. There is much talk in the church about forgiveness and love, about receptivity, and about being nicer. These are fine virtues, all of them necessary. But men also want to be engaged, to be sent into battle, to go forth and make a difference. After years of radical feminism, men are shamed for seeking to take up leadership and authority in their families and in the church. It starts early. Any normal boy is full of spit and vinegar, is aggressive, competitive, and anxious to test his wings. But many boys are scolded, punished, and even medicated for these normal tendencies. They are told to behave more like girls and to learn to be nicer and to get along, etc. It will be granted that limits are necessary, but the tendency for boys to roughhouse is normal. The scolding and socializing to more feminine traits continues apace into early adulthood. And then there are other cultural phenomena, such as the slew of men are stupid commercials, etc., Though many in past decades have sought to describe the church as male-dominated, nothing could be further from the truth. Most parish leadership structures are dominated by women, and women do find work. But the church has done a very poor job of engaging men as men and equipping them to be strong husbands, fathers, and priests. Virtues related to bold leadership and the effective use of authority are in short supply, whereas other virtues such as collaboration, listening, empathy, and understanding are overemphasized. This lack of balance, wherein traditionally manly virtues are downplayed, even shamed, has led many men to become disengaged from the church. Even as early as 1885, Pope Leo XIII saw some saw coming a softness that was infecting the times. In a document aptly named, and using a word too many clergy and fathers are afraid to use, quote, Octoritate, Pope Leo said, quote, You know the temper of the times, 
how many there are who love to live delicately and shrink from whatever requires manhood and generosity, who, when ailments come, discover in them sufficient reasons for not obeying the salutary laws of the church, thinking the burden laid upon them more than they can bear. Perils everywhere abound. The great virtues of our forefathers have in large measure disappeared. The most violent passions have claimed a freer indulgence. The madness of opinion, which knows no restraint, or at least no effective restraint, every day extends further. And yet among those whose principles are sound, there are many who, through a misplaced timidity, are frightened and have not the courage even to speak out their opinions boldly, far less to translate them into deeds. Everywhere the worst examples are affecting moral pu- are affecting public morals. Wicked societies, which we ourselves have denounced before now, skilled in all evil arts, are doing their best to lead the people astray, and as far as they are able to withdraw them from God, their duty, and Christianity. Therefore, those who speak to the people should lay it down persistently and clearly that according not only to the law of the gospel, but even to the dictates of natural reason, a man is bound to govern himself and keep his passions under strict control, and moreover that sin cannot be expiated except by penance. In order, therefore, that our teaching may sink into men's minds, and what is the great thing, actually govern their daily lives, an attempt must be made to bring them to think and act like Christians, not less in public than in private, unquote. Not a bad summons to heroic and public witness to the faith. Not a bad summons to manly virtues like sacrifice, strength, insisting on what is right, meeting perils toe to toe, courage, speaking out, self-control, and so forth. The church used to speak more often in this way. Today, there seems to be only the goal of not hurting or offending anyone. The disengagement of men from the church has come to mean that many Christian men are passive fathers and husbands. They have not matured in their faith but remain in a kind of spiritual childhood. They are not the spiritual leaders in their homes that Scripture summons them to be. If they go to church at all, their wives have to drag them there. They do not teach their children to pray, insist that they practice the faith, or read Scripture to them. Too often they leave this for their wives to do. Thankfully, many men do take up their proper role. They have reached spiritual manhood and understand their responsibilities in the Lord. They live courageously and are leaders. They are the ones first up on Sunday morning, leading their families to church and insisting on religious practice in the home. They initiate prayer and scripture reading and are vigorous moral leaders and teachers in their families, parishes, and communities. They are willing to battle for the truth and to speak up for what is right. You see, the Lord is looking for a few good men. Are you a Christian man? Have you reached spiritual manhood? This is not the kind of manhood that comes merely with age, comes when we pray, hear, and heed scripture and the teachings of the church. It comes when we live the faith courageously and summon others to follow Jesus without compromise. It comes when we speak the truth in love and live out the truth 
It comes when we fear God and thus fear no man. For when we are able to kneel before God, we can stand before any human threat. Heed the scriptures, he says, and carry it through. Romans continued after it says, claiming to be wise, they became fools. That's where we are today, both in and out of the church. Romans continues, therefore God gave them up to their lust of the hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of the bodies among themselves, because they exchanged truth about God for a lie. We've got a prevailing wave in the culture to feminize men, feminize the church, and we're not standing up against it. But worse than even that, to degradate it. I get this magazine from the NRA, National Rifle Association, called the First Freedom Magazine. And it's about gun rights, the Second Amendment, the right to bear arms. The catechism talks about every person has a right to defend themselves. And in fact, you've got an obligation to defend your family. This is very clear. There's no gray zone. There's people out there turning truth into a lie saying it is. Or we shouldn't have that. It's biblical. God had to have Roman soldiers around his son so he could carry out the passion before the Jews wouldn't tear him to pieces like dogs. They used weapons to do that. There's a good cause for that. But this show's not about the right to bear arms. It's about prostituting yourself to be a voice for those who want to disarm being men. And such clever verbiage from the devil that nobody sees it. So in this magazine, there's an article in there about, it's called Top Shot, I think was the name of it. And in this article, it's being used to promote a bomber lifestyle to a group of people that are not of that persuasion, not akin to it. And yet this agenda invades it. I read it. I was scathed by it. I was angry. I couldn't believe they would allow their magazine to be used for such a thing. So I wrote for the whole board of directors, the president, Mr. Porter, and all the rest of the executives, a letter to them to explain to them why they can't do this. But I use this only as an example of standing up. This letter was wrote when? What's the date? September 5th. Uh, September 5th. We're going to read it to you. There's verbiage in there we don't normally use on our radio shows because we don't want the children to hear, or even young teenagers. Because we think there needs to be a purity in the home, a purity around children and youth, and even among ourselves, that we don't just casually talk about what they want us to talk about, the verbiage that they use in some ways, to normalize it. To always be talking about this instead of being that. But this issue is getting so grave, so serious, so confrontational, you've got to really have your verbiage and understanding what is your sway on it. Dear Mr. Porter, your donations will dwindle when you publish pro-tolerant against the commandment articles such as Top Shot, which was published in the July 2014 issue of America's First Freedom magazine. 
Where there is a cause, there is an effect. When virtue is lost and vice is promoted or even tolerated, God's blessing withdraws. Though we are not perfect, you have not understood your foundation base is primarily made up of people who believe in morals and the Judeo-Christian principles, who are very much against things that degradate society. Homosexuality is a perverse sin against nature. Homosexuals are not a race of people who can complain, don't discriminate against my sin, any more than adulterous people are a race of people who can complain, don't discriminate against my sin. The United States military has rules of discipline for adultery. Adultery is wrong. Society knows adultery is wrong and is not desirable for a healthy society. For a nation to survive, its people must be repentant when they fall and strive to be virtuous. A nation of virtuous people, therefore, must teach homosexuality as wrong, a very unvirtuous wrong, a disordered wrong against nature and nature's God. Read thoroughly and thoughtfully. Study Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 32. You have chosen to publish this pro-tolerant homosexual lifestyle article, and now you're going to be part of publishing a homosexual blog about gun rights, thinking you will broaden your base to a new group of advocates? You ignore the masses to address an extremely small but very vocal minority of illicit behavior? Foolish thinking. Though every man is a sinner, your base supporters are loyal to God above the NRA and most recognize their own sinfulness. They do not go around denying sin. They confess their sin and seek to live the commandments within God's order. However, your pro-tolerant and promotional article Top Shot denies sin, condones and propagates grave sin as a virtuous and heroic element of society. You certainly will expand your base among those who violate natural law, but you will lose many for each one you gain as you choose man and his displacement over God. I'm afraid you've made a fatal mistake and you don't recognize it. I support the NRA not only in dues, but in 2013 through $23,123 in advertisement in America's First Freedom magazine. I've spoken with other NRA members, and they too will withdraw from the NRA and support other gun right organizations. It is amazing to us that you do not truly understand that both your financial and historical foundation come from supporters who believe in God, family, and country. We, the majority, are more than tired of voices built through our support, prostituting themselves by being a loudspeaker for those who contribute to the future destruction of society. Your action is devoid of humility, placing oneself above God, normalizing unnormal sin above His sovereignty. What you've done in publishing this article, Top Shot, is worse than gun confiscation. Gun confiscation may result in the body being killed, but what you've given yourselves over to is the killing of God and souls due to a lack of wisdom. Humility is necessary to receive wisdom. Wisdom comes from God. When one loses wisdom, one loses God. When one loses God, they lose the way. Sad. 
very sad. It is a biblical principle that cannot be changed or modified that when a person, nation, or organization supports, promotes, or just tolerates what is against natural law, even being open, accepting, or just being neutral to what is unnatural, it is the beginning of their end. The NRA will not stand. Its promotion of sin has to be dealt with in this life. As one of America's founding fathers, George Mason, said, quote, As nations cannot be rewarded or punished in the next world, they must be in this. By an inevitable chain of causes and effects, providence punishes national sins by national calamities, unquote. When a people, nation, or organization denies sin, they will erode, crumble, and fall. This will be proven by what happens to your donations. Most will not write in as I have. They will just quit supporting. Sad for you. Sad for the NRA, as you have approved in others what is unseemly. Though it may be a long, slow death for the NRA, remember it began with the betraying of the statutes of God, letting yourselves be used for an agenda for tolerance of what God does not tolerate as Romans chapter 1, verses 18-32 through 32 shows. You do not understand now, but you have undone more for us who love our gun rights through the article Top Shot than all the good you've done to protect gun rights in the past. Those who wrote and signed the Second Amendment would be scandalized and shocked by such an unbiblical writing and would be at a loss as to how such sins could be normalized in society especially through a voice that claims at the same time to protect Second Amendment rights. Truth divides. The one who decides to follow truth divides from the one who does not. We are in a time of separation, of discerning what is truth and what is not. Top shot is not truth. In this exact moment of history, we are in a time of decision. Hate God's law and therefore hate God, or love God's law and therefore love God. Please remove my subscription as well as my information from all of your records and mailing lists. In love for God, family, and country and man's unalienable rights. At the end of your letter, a P.S. As a Christian, I must confront untruth when it is presented as God's truth. I'm deeply concerned truth is dying in the hearts of Americans. In my life, I have striven to live the principles our nation was founded upon. Because of this, my name, my character, my reputation have been persecuted by those who are convicted by the truth, who hate what I stand for. However, truth is not built on reputation, which can be slandered and defamed. What is truth? Truth is God. It is upheld by God's moral law, and therefore will always be hated, and therefore persecuted. However... Truth is sustained by God. Therefore, truth needs no defense. Truth does need protection. Truth is protected by those who strive to live it and love it. Romans said, they exchanged truth about God for a lie. Romans continues on and says, For this reason God gave them up to dishonorable passions. The women exchanged natural relations for unnatural. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women 
and were consumed with passions for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in their own person the due penalty for their error. And so here we have then our A, putting the article on that tolerates this, promotes it, although they claimed they would be promoting it, they did. They allowed their magazine to be used for it. I never expected to hear back from them. This would be an embarrassing letter for the board. Where I'm sure there was a lot of discussions on the board about what do we do with this? We're going to be caught in the middle. No, they did it to themselves. They're supporting what is unseemly just by printing it and giving voice to it. But I did receive a response, which I was very surprised recently to receive. Maybe it took too much to do it, but nonetheless, we received one. And in that response, it was not what I expected. Nor did I ever expect them to heel down and say, well, we're going to correct this because they put themselves up for the wrath of these people, this vocal, illicit minority who shouldn't be given an opinion about defending their positions. And I expected them to be silent. But the response surprised me at the position they did take. This comes from Doug Hamlin, who's the executive director of NRA Publications. Thank you for your letter to Mr. James Porter regarding the Top Shop feature in the July 2014 issue of America's First Freedom magazine. Mr. Porter asked us to respond on his behalf. The National Rifle Association is committed solely to the preservation of the Second Amendment rights of all law-abiding Americans, regardless of their race, religion, creed, or lifestyle. In the Top Shot feature, America's First Freedom did not defend or promote Chris Shang's personal life because it is not within our purview. However, the fact that he is abominable is a significant part of his story, and therefore we reported it as news. His acceptance by gun owners, sponsors, and fellow competitors is a reflection of the character of the vast majority of gun-owning Americans who, while they will not agree with the circumstances of every lawful American they meet, do agree that the right to keep and bear arms guaranteed in the U.S. Constitution applies to us all. Please know that your feedback is always welcome. America's First Freedom exists to cover controversial subjects. Sometimes those subjects stir controversy even among our members. We hope you continue to enjoy your magazine and support the NRA's mission to ensure that lawful Americans will continue to enjoy our God-given firearm freedoms for generations to come. You see how glib the letter's written? My letter had nothing to do about constitutional Second Amendment rights. Nothing at all. So to place this in context, that to lead away from what was really said is exchanging the truth for a lie. But the NRA comes on and takes on God because they've just elevated something to a new class that didn't exist. There's people that want it to exist, and for the NRA to accept this as existing, a legitimate right, is untruth, nay, a lie. He wrote, regardless of their race, okay, I accept that. Religion, I can accept that. Or their creed, I can accept that. But they add the word, our lifestyle. 
This is not a race. This is not a people with a skin color. This is not a religion or creeds that people have. Lifestyle has no fitting place to be placed among these legitimate things that are not to be discriminated against. In fact, everything in the Bible, everything in the church teaches to be a discriminating man. We have to be discriminate in what we do, what we go, where we think, and how we apply our Christian life. We are to discriminate. And for to place a lifestyle in the context of the preservation of the Second Amendment is way, way off base. We're not arguing the Second Amendment. And in fact, they debase the Second Amendment by tolerating a lifestyle which is immoral, which brings withdrawal of God's blessing, which loses rights for man. Your unleanable rights will be taken by man and government as he gave you the rights. You lose protection. You endorse this, you lose Second Amendment rights and all other rights you have. This is what happens. But see, because he's changed and the NRA is changing a truth for a lie, all the while we distance ourselves from this, the guy says in the article he's going to use his blog that the NRA is going to be behind as a vocal point to show the people of his lifestyle can be gun owners too. We're not arguing that point. Anybody can be a gun owner. Anybody can be protected by Second Amendment right. We're objecting to being a voice to promote this as a normalized part of society as they have a right to be this way in the culture. They don't as my later clearly showed that to be so. So where's the men? What are we doing? The response letter says, oh, the people won't agree with this. No, you're undermining the Second Amendment right and all my rights. It's unhealthy for society. You're attacking me. You're attacking my children. You're attacking the church. And those in the church who don't stand up against this, it's just what Monsignor Pope just wrote. He wrote, the madness of opinion, which knows no restraint. We've got people giving opinions as truth. Well, he's got a right to opinion. No, you don't. Just because one has opinion doesn't mean it should be considered. No right that is promoted as unbiblical needs to be afforded the right to be heard. Well, we got First Amendment rights. No, you don't have rights to holler fire in a theater. That's already been ruled against. You don't have the right to go in society and say, this is all right, this is not unbiblical, this is normal behavior, because people are using the Bible to say that. That's why I read this Bible verse for the first time. You want to continue, Romans? It says, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, and that's what NRA is doing, they're putting the NRA above God, that oh, well, we're neutral on this thing. We're not going to speak on this stuff. No, your magazine is not neutral. And he said uh, his personal life is not within our purview. Yet he's got blocks of his quotes in there saying, I will promote this lifestyle through my, my position. So the letter's a lie, an outright lie. Doug Hamlin, who wrote this letter, lied. Read the article. It's real clear he's using the article and the magazine in the NRA to promote what he does. He said, I'm going to do that. I'm coming out of the closet. I've got a voice. And he might let me give me their megaphone. I'm going to use it. 
And yet they say, oh, well, his personal life, that's not within our privy. You did it. You prostituted yourself for it. It says the fact that he was abominable is a significant part of the story, which he's saying, one hand, we don't do it. And then he says in the next sentence, however, the fact that he is abominable is a significant part of the story. And therefore, we report it as news. You, what are you talking about, Mr. Heimlin? This is garbage. Total garbage. You speak forked tongue out of two sides of your mouth. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a base mind and to improper conduct. Who would want their magazine to be used to promote improper conduct? Not reporting it, but promote. It was promoted as a legitimate lifestyle that he put in a category of race, religion, creed, or lifestyle, unquote. So don't tell me you didn't use this to promote it. And everybody else is doing this, and every Christian out there, and all the men out there who are sissies who allow this stuff to continue. God gave them up to a base mind and to improper conduct. They were filled with all manner of wickedness, disobedience to parents, foolish and faithfulness, Deceit, slanders, haters of God. I wrote that in the original letter. We're in a time where we either hate God and his law or love God and his law. They're going on record they don't love his law, and yet the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, is based biblical standards and principles, and they're denying that. And yes, I am convinced that the forefathers would be scandalized by this and would not tolerate it. They're boastful and inventors of evil. We're inventing something to say, well, we don't give our magazine over this to promote this. And then however the fact is that he's a bottle and significant part of the story and therefore we just report his news. Oh, so you excuse yourself? Romans in the beginning of the program said, they are without excuse because God has shown to them since the beginning of creation. His invisible nature, namely the eternal power of deity, has been clearly perceived in things that he has made. So they ignore that. Foolish. Though they know God's decree, this is addressing this directly, this is Romans, though they know God's decree, and those who do such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they approve those who practice them. By putting your magazine out there, you've approved this. And go on. Go on doing so. Because everything is under judgment. And don't think the might of the NRA can't be replaced with other gun rights organizations that wouldn't take this position. So we got these people being afforded the right to be heard. While all yet those with biblical mandates who are to speak their views are timid and even frightened, as Monsignor Pope spoke of. He said and relayed, speak, but not only speak, to translate them into deeds, not to as to lead the people astray. And that's where we are. We have men not being men. You want to hear about a big man? 
a real man, a manly man, a righteous man. Jesus went up to Jerusalem. He found in the temple area those who sold oxen, sheep, and doves, as well as the money changers seated there. He made a whip of cords. What is a whip? How does it snap? What do you do with a whip? What is its useful purposes? And in the context of this biblical, real, real truth about Jesus, what powered it? What kind of energy held it? Was it just a sissified, feminized man? Or somebody wrathful? I would say what drove that, rather than just a kid that gets a whip and he's out there playing with it, was a different spirit that which hand held that whip and what he did with it. Because it's biblical that right afterwards he says, he made a whip out of cords. Think about that. Meditate on that. How long did it even take? Well, he didn't do that in two seconds. And he didn't do it supernaturally because he said he made the whip. He was meditating. He was thinking about what he was doing. He was calculated. He was manly. I'm not going to tolerate this. I'm going to take action. I'm making a weapon. God himself. Jesus Christ. The sissy or the man. You decide. You meditate. You reflect. You think. He made a whip. Who is he? The Christ. Out of cords. Not one cord, not a little kite string, cords. Cords are thicker than kite strings. Cords binded together are going to cause pain, to inflict pain for a purpose. To do what? And it says, quote, and drove them, who is them? The people, the money exchangers, who's already been mentioned, who's sitting there. He made a whip out of cords and drove them all, A-L-L, the scripture says. Not some, not the animals. He drove them all out of the temple. If you think that doesn't mean just only the sheep, the scripture says after that, drove them all out of the temple with the sheep. Who went out with the sheep? The people and the oxen. With the sheep and the oxen that spilled the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. You're talking about wrath. You're talking about zeal for my temple. You're talking about acting. I'm not going to sit there and tolerate this. There's certain times, men, you have to realize there is civil disobedience in order. And when they're going after your kids and they're doing this and they're prevailing into our camp and people you would think would be on our side, they want to hope over the Constitution. And yet they morally undermine it, promoting sinful behavior or allowing it or tolerating it means we lose that right. We will lose a Second Amendment right because of this kind of thing. But again, this is not about that. Where there is moral decay, there will always be decay of the rights. They go away. That's why we're getting restrictions. That's why we're getting regulated. That's why we have the government getting more powerful because we are sinners. We have sinned and we have tolerated sins. First, clean up your own sin and then don't tolerate sin in the culture, especially sins that have been promoted as normal and okay to do. 
and extreme the other way, it's unnatural. Not about a weakness. This is against nature. The scriptures here aren't through. Jesus says, take these out of here and stop making my father's house a marketplace. My father's house? What is the father's house? Where is Jesus? What kind of building is he in? He's in the temple. Scriptures continues. His disciples recall the words of Scripture. Zeal for your house will consume me. Jesus the man has zeal for the house. What is the house? His father's house. What is his father's house? The temple. At this, the Jews answered and said to him, what signs can you show for this, doing this? Jesus answered them and said to them, destroy this temple. And in three days, I will rise it up. There can be no mistake that the Father's house is the temple and Jesus in there is cleansing the temple because he's righteous. He sees something vile inside the temple. He don't want it there. He makes a whip. He's going to purify it. He wants it out. What does that say to you men? And even you women. They respond to Jesus. This temple has been under construction for 46 years and you'll raise it up in three days? Again, there's no mistake. They're standing in the temple. He made a cord in it. He drove out everybody, the men and the oxen with the money changers. What about the ones asking the questions? He drove out those who made it in the marketplace because that was a defilement of it. And you will raise it up in three days, Scripture continues, but he was speaking about the temple of his body. The temple of his body, standing in the temple of his God, the Father's house, he purifies that. And you tell me, the temple of the Spirit the temple of the soul, the human person that these people are trying to pervade on and educate in schools, these little children that a millstone be, better be put around your neck, drawn to the bottom of the river than lead a little one astray, and they're out there doing this in the culture and you do nothing about it. You don't even, can you write a letter? Civil disobedience is coming. When you try to redefine marriage, you try to say it's between two men, there's something gravely wrong, and we just tolerate it, we just accept it, we scoff at it and say, oh, I'm not for that. They can do what they want to do. I'm not for that. Men, you better stand up, because if you don't, your door's going to be open, and lot you are going to be standing there. They're going to say, give us your sons. Take my daughters. Is that what you're going to say? You're not enough man you, you give your daughters over? Read the scriptures. Act. This is over, but it will not be over. It cannot be over until we recognize we have given marriage up through divorce and the church not speaking out and stopping it. And two little lambs that get married and break up because the church does not give the support it needs. And we got the Holy Father and the bishops meeting. What do we do? What do we do? What do we do? We've got the answer from the Holy Virgin Mary. She's given it to us. We've got how to change your husband. we got the materials. we got whose opinion is right, the painful truth. we got statements on this, and it works. And they're meeting for millions of people, or hundreds of thousands, 10,000, wherever they want to meet, trying to come up with solutions. we got the answer. Mary is bringing it. Little children. 
And if that temple's 46 years old, you're a little children. A lady says to you at 46 years of age, the temple. Yes, I sin. Yes, you sin. Everybody sins. But one thing I don't do is I say this sin is right. And I'm not going to use my writings here and my books here or anything underneath my venue to sit there and give that side of the story. There is no side of the story. They're not spiritual leaders in the home today. There's not spiritual leaders in the pulpits today. Oh, you can't generalize everything. Yeah, to some degree or not, there's all aspects. We're weak. Our lady's here because we are weak people. We tolerate things that's intolerable to God. God is not tolerable of the sin. And Romans 18.32, chapter 1, ends. Though they know God's decree that those who do such things deserve to die. Well, right above that it said, men committing shameless acts with men or receiving their own persons do penalty for the error. Where's AIDS come from? Why is AIDS contracted? The Bible says it. You receive it in your own person for doing unnatural things. It's clear how thick-headed we are. Read Quietism. You can download it. It's time to quit being quiet. And no, I know you can't go out there in a horde of these people and do something by yourself. But we got to start joining numbers. We need to start gathering and say, we will not tolerate this in our culture. I don't want my children to see this. You think that I'd given up television 20 years ago, wrote I see far to show tens of thousands of people throw their television away, not allow cell phones in, in our homes here or on our grounds so we won't have filth coming back into us, and all the other things that we've advocated, that we live by, that we want to walk on the streets and see two men walking around in hand. You think we want to tolerate that if we don't want it on our television in our house? What are you thinking? Translate them into deeds. Monsignor said. Where do we go with this? You better start praying. Because these people, these wicked people, deserve to be forgiven. That's true. But when the Jews brought the adulteress to Jesus, she didn't start advocating, well, adultery's okay. He forgave her and said, go sin no more. We're accepting these people as who they are, claiming that they are that, which is more served five times ten than claiming somebody, well, I'm an adulteress, and defend that sin and want to propagate it in the culture. It is bad for culture, it's bad for your life, and it's bad for unnatural sin ten times more the other direction. We've grown so perverse that we don't even see it. We don't even stop long enough to to reflect on these things. Where are we going, people? Read the Bible. Our lady said on the 10th anniversary, June 25th, 1991. To see the, read sacred scriptures to find the true reason I'm coming. In 1991, we could never imagine this even being an issue like it is today. 
has progressed so much. And you think they're going to stop? You think, okay, well, now they just want this right. Now they just want marriage license. Now what's the next? No, they're going to want your sons. I'm sick of hearing from the pulpit, sisters and brothers. Speak about the man. Man was here first. God made Adam. And the scripture says, God made Adam for himself. And the scripture says that God made woman for man. It's man first. He was here. Oh, do we let a woman walk through the door first? No, we don't. We go to the door first and open it with our arm and then let her go through. She's underneath our protection because the scripture says she's the weaker vessel. So you're the stronger vessel. Are you standing up? Are you feminized? Is your wife beat you down, oppressing you, and you won't stand up to that? It's time to be man. It's time to stand. If we don't, you're going to hear a knock on your door. Not on the streets. It's coming. Evil never stops nor rests. The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. This ends the November 13th Radio Wave Medjinomics show with a friend of Medjugorje. To listen or download free, go to medj.com, spelled M-E-J dot com. Go to the left-hand menu, Radio Wave, and click on Past Shows. You can also order this show on CD by contacting Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000. Again, 205-672-2000. Any of the materials referenced by a friend of Medjugorje during the course of this broadcast, How to Change Your Husband, Whose Opinion is Right, Quietism and ICFAR, are free downloads on medj.com or by contacting Caritas in the U.S. 205-672-2000.